Great, I just found my missing chicky. Okay, Trump interview goes down in flames with major mistake 11 hours ago. Drinking warm water before bed Thanks fixes for tooth and problems overnight. People are healing decay and repair. Watching the legal breakdown. So Glenn, a pretty shocking revelation from Trump himself. He appeared on Hannity's show, and while Hannity was desperately trying to get him to say that he didn't personally rummage through boxes of classified documents mm -hmm. that had stolen from the White House, Trump wouldn't take the bait. Here's a quick clip. Bring me some of the boxes that we brought back from the White House. I'd like to look at them. Did you ever do that? I have the right to do that. There's nothing wrong with it. I know you. I don't think you would do it. Well, I would have a lot of time, but I don't have the right to do that. I would do that. Let me move on. Remember this. This is the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. Do you know that they ended up paying Richard Nixon, I think, $18 million for what he had? They did the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. I have the right to look at stuff. So, Glenn, how bad is this admission from Trump? It is staggering. You know, Hannity tried to give him the out, and he refused to take it. So what Donald Trump has succeeded in doing is strengthening the obstruction of justice case that uh, is being investigated by special counsel Jack Smith and strengthening, strengthening it to the point where, you know, the proof beyond a reasonable doubt is there for the taking. Um, and then what was even more surprising is after Donald Trump virtually admitted that, you know, he had his grubby little hands on the documents after those documents had been subpoenaed by the grand jury as part of a criminal investigation, he goes on to helpfully supply evidence of motive of his You know, Richard Nixon had documents, and they paid him $18 million for those documents. And, you know, in the event there was any question about why Donald Trump had committed these crimes concerning these classified documents, boy, he just answered that question. It was for financial gain. So, you know, this case is virtually ready to be invited right now. So why 
shouldn't I do it as well? Yeah. It's always amazing how a self-proclaimed billionaire keeps finding creative new ways to try to bilk taxpayers and his own supporters for more money. When Donald Trump, throughout the entirety of that interview, had said that he has the right to rummage through those documents that he was unlawfully retaining. Does he? He doesn't. Because, you know, in the first instance, Brian, he stole these documents from the federal government. These were documents that were owned by the federal government and that were supposed to go from the White House once he left the presidency to the National Archives. That's the way it works. Donald Trump didn't have the right to take them in the first instance. He certainly didn't have the right to continue to unlawfully possess them. And whether he was possessing them constructively or actually, constructive possession means you have them in a place that's under your control and that you have access to. Like, for example, a storage facility at Mar-a-Lago. Actual possession is you have them in your hot little hands. And jurors like, when you have this kind of a crime, jurors like proof of actual possession, even though it's not necessary, it could be constructive possession. Once the, you know, once the ill-gotten goods, once the stolen documents get sort of farther and farther away from Donald Trump, it makes a conviction for possessing those documents unlawfully a little bit dicier, a little bit tougher for the prosecutors to persuade the jury. Um, but he, he doesn't have the right to possess them. He doesn't have the right to have his hands on them. And he certainly doesn't have the right to continue to retain them after the grand jury issues a subpoena, which is, in essence, a court order directing that they be returned. So, you know, again, the evidence has gotten stronger and stronger, and all that is left is for Jack Smith to move out, indict Donald Trump for some of these crimes, and frankly, you know, give the Alvin Braggs of the world a little bit of support. To that exact point, we found out within the last few days that the DOJ has new evidence of obstruction uh, in this in this very case. Coupled together uh, between this Hannity interview and also this new revelation that we found out within the last few days of, of obstruction, how bad has this case in particular gotten for Trump? Uh, it, 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 I'm, you know, no case is a sure winner. I took a lot of cases to trial. Some of the ones that I thought were fairly strong, I ended up losing, or it ended up in a hung jury and I had to try it a second time. Some cases that, you know, I had my own questions about, um, you know, is the evidence really there to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, the highest evidentiary standard known to the law, and I ended up winning them. When I assess, you know, through the lens of 30 years standing in the wells of courtrooms arguing for juries, when I assess the, the strength and the quality of the evidence of obstruction of justice, of unlawfully um, retaining these classified documents, of compromising national defense information, which is one of the charges that falls under the Espionage Act. Um, the evidence is, I would call it overwhelming, and I don't think that's an overstatement. Any case can be lost, but I kind of feel like this one, a novice prosecutor could go in, present it to the jury, and you're likely to get a conviction. In fairness, uh, just to kind of play the other side here, what is Trump's possible defense in this case? If you, you rolled the dice, and you got unlucky enough to have to represent Donald Trump in court, how would you defend him in this case? Hi, everyone. Mark Barden here at Sandy Hook Thomas. On December 14, 2012, 7-year-old son Daniel was shot to death in his first grade classroom. 
and stated his elementary school. The shooter shot and killed 26 individuals in about four minutes using AR-15 military-style assault rifles. There is no place, there is no need, there is no practical application for military... To represent Donald Trump in court, how would you defend him in this case? <laughs> Really hard. I, I just don't know that I am creative enough a lawyer to, to come up with a compelling defense. I, you know, before he's made some of these admissions, I would have said, you know, he could have tried to, you know, throw all of his lackeys and flunkies under the bus and say, really, they were the only ones who knew we had these documents at Mar-a-Lago because I didn't pack up the boxes myself. I never went through them. I didn't know there were classified materials at Mar-a-Lago. He's blown his own potential defense out of the water. I, I guess all he can say now is I honestly and genuinely didn't believe there was anything wrong with possessing these documents. But that's not really a complete defense. Well, yeah, let, because... let, me, let me ask you a question about that. Like, if, if you commit a crime and, you're, and your defense here is that you're just ignorant of the fact that you committed the crime... Does that absolve you of having committed the crime? No, you don't need to have specific intent that you're violating the law. You need to know that what you, you need to be intentionally and knowingly doing what you're doing, even if you don't know the criminal repercussions or the precise laws you might be violating, you can still be guilty. Where specific intent comes in is, for example, if you are charged with Assault with intent to kill. It's always easier to use a, a violent crime hypothetical because I think it's e easier to visualize. If you are charged with assault with intent to kill and the defendant can prove to the jury's satisfaction or can convince the jury because the defendant doesn't have the burden of proof that, you know what, I may have engaged in an assault, but there's no way on this earth I was intending to kill the person I assaulted. That was an unintended consequence of what I did. Well, then, frankly, the jury could find the defendant not guilty of assault with intent to kill because the defendant would have lacked the specific intent that must be proved as part of the crime. But the good news is, good news for accountability, is the jury could convict the defendant of a lesser charge of simply assault, not assault with intent to okay. kill. Donald Trump has no viable defense to the crimes of obstruction and to the documents crimes that Jack Smith is pursuing here. Yeah, especially, uh, again, given the fact that in this very interview, he admitted that that uh, one one possible benefit is that you could uh, you could get a lot of money by virtue of taking these documents and, and then suing the federal government for them. Uh, let's finish off with this, Glenn. Given that there is so much evidence in this case, if Jack Smith decides tomorrow that he has all the evidence he needs, he wants to try to get uh, the grand jury to vote on an indictment, uh, while Trump's contending with this New York attorney general's case, how does that work? Yeah, so he's already being prosecuted by the, the district attorney's office, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. If Jack Smith were to bring a federal indictment against Donald Trump, I see those two cases kind of proceeding at the same time. I think what would happen is Donald Trump would make it to the federal court in D.C. to be arraigned on the federal indictment, and the trial uh, motion hearings would be set, a trial date would be set. Based on everything we know about the system,
system in New York. I have a feeling the federal trial would end up being set and being conducted long before the New York trial. Because in New York, they have this sort of robust procedure whereby the defendant can file lots and lots and lots of pre-trial motions and litigate them all before he ever makes his way to trial. So, you know, I could see these cases kind of going along on parallel tracks and the federal case actually coming up for trial before the New York case. Well, you and I will continue to cover this stuff as soon as it breaks. So for anybody watching and want to keep up with this legal news, make sure you subscribe to both of our channels. The links are right here on the screen. I'm Brian Tyler Cohen. And I'm Glenn Kirkland. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. At the age of 70, Mike seems almost superhuman. He tours as a drummer in two rock bands, and he plays marathon sets that last until the wee hours of the morning. Right. So that was Brian Tyler Cohen, of course. Trump interviews taking Trump screws himself with criminal admission on air. I can't, I can't imagine you ever saying, um, bring me some of the boxes that we brought back from the White House. I'd like to look at them. Did you ever do that? I would have the right to do that. There's nothing wrong with but it. But I know you. I don't think you would do well, it. I don't have a lot of time. But I would have the right to do that. I would do that. Let me move on. Let me remember this. This is the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. Do you know that they ended up paying Richard Nixon, I think, $18 million for what he had? They did the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. I have the right to look at stuff. But they have the right to talk, and we have the right to talk. This would have all been worked out. All of a sudden, they raided Mar-a-Lago, viciously raided Mar-a-Lago. I have tape, and I gave them tapes. You know, I gave them tapes of storage areas. I gave it to them. I could have held that back. I wasn't holding anything back that I cared about. I gave them tape. But you know the tape they don't it. want me to reveal? If possible. They've asked me, and I've, I've so far adhered to it. The raid itself. Wait a we have, I'll take that tape, and I'll would. air that tape. Everybody would take that tape. No matter how hard Sean Hannity tries, he <laughs> just cannot... Just can't work. Ebony and diamond, harmony side by side on my piano keyboard. Oh Lord, why don't we? No matter how hard Sean Hannity tries, he just cannot stop Donald Trump from incriminating himself. Hannity here is practically begging Donald Trump to say that he didn't commit a crime by stealing documents from the federal government and then obstruct justice by defying a subpoena. And instead of just affirming Hannity's softball question, Trump can't help himself but to insist that he has the right to do what he is decidedly not legally allowed to do. Weird how Trump's lawyers don't want him to testify in court. I wonder why. But what's especially incredible about this moment is how Trump then goes on to explain at least one rationale for why he stole classified documents. Because he saw Richard Nixon do something similar and his estate got $18 million from it. In other words, Nixon was able to profit from his theft and Donald Trump couldn't pass up the opportunity to bilk the American taxpayer one last time. And this story about Richard Nixon is actually somewhat true. Federal authorities under Congress's direction did seize Watergate documents from Nixon after his resignation in 1974 in order to guarantee that Nixon would destroy them. 
Nixon's estate later sued the federal government for how this process was handled, and they settled for $18 million in the year 2000. But that situation isn't at all comparable to a former president who went out of his way intentionally to take classified documents and then hide them from law enforcement. The FBI then did everything by the book. They got a search warrant, conducted a lawful search of his property. There would be no way for Trump to sue the federal government for damages because this was a legal search conducted with the approval of the court system and one that actually proved Trump was retaining exactly what he was accused of retaining. All of which shows that Donald Trump doesn't understand what he's talking about, nor does he have a clue about the legal implications of any of his actions. All that this guy can comprehend is how he can grift as much money as humanly possible at the expense of everyone else. And as a side note, if what he's admitting publicly is that he was inspired by Richard Nixon to use his hoarding of classified documents as a scheme to rake in taxpayer money, imagine what he is not admitting publicly. Imagine the other ways he's looking to sell access to those documents and to whom. If this is just what's on the surface, imagine what's just below it. This is probably why federal law enforcement acted with the urgency that they did in the first place. It's very unlikely that they would have done that if there wasn't an obviously clear and present danger to national security. And so when Donald Trump goes on national TV to insist that he has the right to take stuff, he's only making the case for Jack Smith even stronger. And this interview comes around the same time that we just learned more details about Jack Smith's investigation and that his team has evidence of possible obstruction. I asked former federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner to break down what more we've learned in my legal series, The Legal Breakdown. Yeah, you know, Brian, it feels ah. like the justice snowball is gaining speed, gaining mass, gaining nice. momentum. And just when we take our eye off of the classified documents crimes down at Mar-a-Lago to keep an eye on Donald Trump's prosecution in New York, we get a big development. So we already knew that Trump was being looked at for a number of crimes, including obstructing justice by violating a subpoena that had been issued by a grand jury investigating Trump's crimes for the return of all documents. Well, today, the Washington Post has reported that there's new information coming out of Jack Smith's investigation, courtesy of unnamed sources. And that new information involves um, the fact that Donald Trump after that subpoena had been issued for the return of all classified documents. Some boxes were then moved from a storage facility at Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump personally went through the boxes and some of those classified documents ended up being retained unlawfully, ah. which would constitute obstruction of justice, you know, in violation of that subpoena. So, you know, we've heard about obstruction before, but this puts some meat on the reporting bones, because if Donald Trump is personally rummaging through the boxes, putting his muddy little pub, if Donald Trump is personally rummaging through the boxes, you know, putting his paws on the very classified documents that the grand jury had subpoenaed, that by law had to be returned to the federal government, boy, that is some direct evidence of Donald Trump's guilt of obstruction of justice. Glenn, Trump was already contending with a, a few different possible charges in this case in particular, which include violation of the Espionage Act, unlawful retention of these documents, and obstruction of justice. So obstruction was reportedly already a part of this investigation. So how does this change things? So, you know, proving that Donald Trump obstructed justice, I think, was going to be a real challenge for Jack Smith. Why? Because he was going to be able to say, look, I don't put my hands on this stuff personally. I don't move boxes. I don't go through boxes. I don't look at documents. I, I just had my people go out 
and search for documents that were um, that were required to be returned under the terms of the subpoena. They returned what they returned. Maybe they failed to return some some stuff. So of course, under the bus, those people would go right. in Trump world. But now, you know, we have some factual reporting that no, 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 no. Donald Trump was personally involved in rummaging through and at least inferentially unlawfully retaining some of these documents. And that makes him guilty of obstructing justice. And it's much uh -huh. harder to point the fingers at others. What a burn, what a cut. Stick your finger up your butt. Guilty of obstructing justice. And it's much harder to point the fingers at others. All of this is a perfect reminder that even while all the attention is fixated on the Manhattan District Attorney's case and Trump's imminent arraignment, that Trump is still contending with a raft of immensely consequential investigations, including Jack Smith. All the while, Trump is literally building the prosecution's case against himself on national television. And let's just take a second here to contrast Trump's behavior with the classified documents from Biden's handling of those documents. There is currently a separate Justice Department probe into Biden's handling of a much smaller batch of classified documents at his home in Delaware. Biden's lawyers say they quickly handed over all classified documents found in the president's possession with no intention to obstruct the investigation or need for a subpoena or a search warrant. Biden then let federal agents go through his home voluntarily and take whatever documents they found. Meanwhile, Trump's behavior left law enforcement no choice but to issue a subpoena to him, and then when that didn't result in receiving all of the documents, they had to obtain a search warrant from a judge. Beyond that, there were reportedly far more classified documents that Trump was hiding than Biden, about thousands. 300 in total. And so now, as Glenn noted, yeah, we thousands, learned from the Washington actually. Post that after the subpoena was issued, Trump had rummaged through the contents of boxes of documents in his home to keep some things in his own possession, which violated the subpoena and was therefore against the law. So yeah, when it comes to Biden and Trump, these two examples aren't even on the same planet. And the fact is that the more time that goes by and the more opportunities Trump has to speak freely, the clearer that distinction between him and Biden is becoming. In a way, that's the silver lining of this entire process taking so long. It has allowed Trump to dig his own legal grave deeper and deeper with each passing day. And as the saying goes, never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Before you go, a quick announcement. I've started a Spanish YouTube channel. Democrats desperately need to be able to appeal to Spanish-speaking audiences, so this is me doing my part. To help that channel get going in the algorithms, so that we can finally start spreading our progressive message. Trump's lawyer melts stone and error when asked to explain his own response. <laughs> so this is something that, obviously, we believe is a political persecution, and I think people on both sides of the aisle believe that, that it's a complete abuse of power. Um, he's a tough guy, George, as you know, and he's someone who's going to be ready for this fight. Um, we're ready for this fight, and, and I look forward to moving this thing along as quickly as possible to exonerate him. Um, despite what, what it seems to be doing in the polls. What evidence do you have the Democrats see this as political persecution? What? Sorry, what's that? <laughs> what evidence do you have that Democrats see this as political persecution? You said people on both sides of the, of the aisle. Oh. See this as yes, political I mean, there's been, I mean, look, there's been, there's not only articles have come out from the New York Times, Financial Times and whatnot, saying this would be a, a grave miscarriage of justice, a mistake to bring this case. But I've heard Democrats coming out on, on various talk shows and, and, and radio shows and whatnot saying that this is not the case. Not that they're supporting Donald Trump or embracing him, but that's what I, that's my point all along, George. It shouldn't matter what side of the aisle you sit. Um, if you're an American and you're concerned about rule of law, 
there should be no scenario where you want this to happen because we all know, and if you're intellectually honest, we all know that had Donald Trump not been Donald Trump and was John Smith, this case never would have been brought. If he was not running for re-election, there's no way this case would have been brought. This case is not even legally sufficient. Um, factually, it's a joke, and it won't survive a challenge of, of law in a courtroom. You've had the you federal prosecutors look at this case, and go ahead, George. You can't know that for sure. No one's seen the charges. There are at least tw 24 charges, according to most reports, perhaps up to 34. Right. You haven't seen the charges. I haven't seen the charges. You don't know what, right. what's well, behind that right now. Oh, I do know it, George. I mean, come on. Yeah, just one question. Would you like some dressing with that word salad? This is Trump's lawyer Joe Takapina humiliating himself after George Stephanopoulos asked him the incredibly hard-hitting gotcha question of what are the names of the people that you are talking about? Now, usually lawyers are supposed to be, you know, good at bullshitting, but Joe Takapina uses the brilliant legal strategy of melting into a stuttering puddle on the floor and failing to answer the question. And his claim is actually a major talking point coming from Republicans right now, that there's some mystical group of Democrats who are siding with Trump and thinks it's somehow wrong for Trump to be held accountable for committing crime. Only, here's the thing, no one can actually find them. Beyond They're called bionic boomers, seniors once riddled with debilitating arthritis pain. Given yeah. a new lease on life. It's a fucking disgrace no you guys allow these motherfuckers to stay in office. also a disgrace that Americans allowed this to happen and for there to be no prosecution for more than two years after a violent attack on Congress. The world shakes its head. <sighs> Making someone pay the consequences for the crimes they've committed isn't political persecution. Simple as that. Huh. Yeah. Simple as that. find them. Beyond that, it's pretty hard to make the case that these charges against Trump are unfair when we literally haven't even seen the charges. His lawyers haven't even seen the charges. Now we have. You know who has seen the charges? A grand jury composed of normal, everyday citizens who reviewed all of the evidence and came to an educated conclusion to indict him. So I think it's pretty obvious which side has more merit here. Joe Zacopita then goes on to say that no one else would ever be indicted for something involving campaign finance violations for hush money payouts to porn stars. And this is only happening because Donald Trump is running for president. Well, that's quite the novel argument, considering someone else by the name of Michael Cohen was already indicted, convicted, and sentenced for his role in this exact same scheme. And not only that, Trump's own Justice Department even referred to Trump as Individual One for his role in orchestrating these illegal payments with Stormy Daniels. Of course, Trump's own Justice Department then proceeded to not prosecute Donald Trump because, let's be honest, 
Why Barr the hell would Bill Barr ever decide to prosecute Bill Barr's boss? The Justice mm -hmm. Department's negligence yeah. in failing to prosecute Trump is why Alvin Bragg is taking up this case in the first place. But Republicans then go on to argue that the Manhattan DA's office, under the previous DA before Bragg, Cy Vance, decided not to pursue charges against Trump, which somehow proves that Bragg is doing this for political reasons. Well, that whole argument definitely fell apart this weekend when Cy Vance told Jen Psaki on a new MSNBC show that he paused the investigation into Trump because Bill Barr's Justice Department told him to. There's been a lot of reporting about your tenure as the Manhattan District Attorney with regard to this case, and some of it is conflicting and is being used to attack the merits of the case. So I want to clear up any confusion here if we can. One narrative is that you declined to move forward with an indictment in the Hush Money case and that Alvin Bragg revised the case. There's a conflicting narrative that you greenlit the case before you left office and Bragg pumps the brakes until now. So when you left office in 2021, how close were you to an indictment on the hush money case? Well, good morning, Jen. Thank you for having me on the show. There are going to be limitations about what I feel I can communicate to you in answer to those questions because some of the response would include internal deliberations of the office that I feel uh, that, that are you know, to be kept confidential. But I think it's safe to say, looking at the front end uh, of the storyline, um, uh, the Southern District of New York, at the same time as, as, as ourselves at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, uh, we're looking at the so-called hush money payment issue. And then we learned from the Southern District of New York uh, that they asked us to stand down. And by stand down, I mean they were communicating that they had this ongoing investigation and they wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold um, while they completed their investigation. So there you have it. The only political actors who are interfering with justice here were those who come to own administration who intervened to protect Trump when he was president. Now that he's no longer president, he can no longer rely on his henchmen to protect him from the consequences of his own actions. So when MAGA's talking heads tell you that this is a political witch hunt, you can remind them who actually interfered with justice here. And this TV appearance by Joe Sacapina isn't the only time that he's crashed and burned on air recently. Here's his previous appearance from just last week. No, it is very simple. You have a, a lawyer who paid a woman 10 years after the uh, alleged sex act, okay. right before an election, and he was reimbursed by your client. How is that not a prima facie case that the oh, grand jury not? It's clearly Why? not, because I'll tell you what, there's two massive distinctions here in campaign finance, for which I've become sort of expert in. I've listed Bradley Smith, the former head of the FEC. One, unlike John Edwards, this is paid with personal funds. So there's a massive distinction there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What was the intent of the payment? What was the intent of the payment? embarrassment to himself and his family. Even Michael Cohen said that under oath when he said So you're saying that Michael Cohen paid uh, uh, the star, the porno star, whatever, so that <laughs> Donald Trump wouldn't be embarrassed <laughs> Uh, to his family, and it just coincidentally happened a couple of weeks before the election. For 10 years, they weren't worried about it. She came forward when he was running for presidency. She didn't come forward for 10 years before. Some might call it extortion. But putting that aside, Reverend, listen to me. It has to be, for it to be a campaign finance law violation, it has to be exclusively done for the campaign. I would ask you to read back your statement. She came forward two weeks before the election, which meant you were reacting to the election. Yeah. If you feed your dog dry food, stop and do this instead. Black excellence. This is raw, unprocessed meat after one week.
and this. Which meant you were reacting to the election. No, yeah, I would say that Joe Zagabina is going... For 10 years, they weren't worried about it. She came forward when he was running for presidency. She can come forward for 10 years before. Some might call it distortion. But putting that aside, Reverend, listen to to be for To be a campaign finance law violation, it has to be exclusively done for the campaign. I would ask them to read back your statement. She came forward two weeks before the election, which meant you were reacting to the election. Yeah, I would say that Joe Zagabina is going for the gold in the mental gymnastics category. This is him trying to explain how the hush money payouts that were clearly intended for Trump to hide the truth from voters in 2016 was just a total coincidence and was not linked to the campaign itself, even though the payments occurred just a few weeks before the election. Only here's the first problem with this logic. Once again, just like with his previous argument, the courts have already dealt with this. Michael Cohen was sentenced to prison in 2018 under the pretense that the purpose of Cohen's hush money payments to Stormy Daniels were to influence the 2016 election. And therefore, the payments must be treated as campaign contributions, which are subject to strict restrictions under federal election law. And all of this is already case law. Trump now is making the exact arguments that were rejected when Michael Cohen first tried to make them before he pleaded guilty. But this was settled half a decade ago. And of course, Joe Tagapina knows this, and we know he knows this That's because he admitted that his own current client was guilty on live television back in 2018. No one was here going, oh my god, I can't believe it. I said all along, if he just come out, I said, yeah, I did a lot. And he got that up to another one of these three things on his, his lip and kind of scandal. He gets put away. He's held back for one night stand with him. What else can she say? There's nothing else to tell. This could be looked at as an end time contribution at the time of the election. This is a real problem. And here's the cherry on top of all of this. The Rolling Stone is now reporting that Trump's own team is fed up with Joe Takapina constantly embarrassing himself with these debunked legal arguments on air. Quote, a source familiar with the matter and another person close to Trump tell Rolling Stone that a number of Trump's other current lawyers have privately described Takapina as dumb and a loudmouth. Sources also say that some of Trump's lawyers and advisors have warned the ex-president that he should be careful with Takapina and that he cannot trust the attorney's loyalty. Quote, he pisses off others with his antics, but he's a blunt object that Donald Trump wants, apparently. A third source called Takapina such a freaking idiot. And I gotta say, it's almost poetic that while Trump's own lawyers are fed up with Joe Takapina and acknowledge his <laughs> obvious shortcomings, that Trump can't even recognize that he's burying himself because he enjoys watching the television spectacle. Just one more example of how Donald Trump is his own worst enemy. Before you go, a quick announcement. I started a Spanish YouTube channel. Democrats definitely need to be able to appeal to Spanish speaking audiences, and this is me doing my part. To help that channel get going in the algorithm, so we can finally start spreading our progressive message and breaking the conservative stranglehold on Spanish speaking media, please subscribe and watch a few videos. The link to that channel, called Brian Taylor Cohen Espanol, is right here on this screen. Do, do you speak the Spanish? Trump gets devastating surprise update in federal case against him. <laughs> One day ago. Hi, I'm Nicole Hockley from Hi. Sandy Hook Promise. I know this is hard to hear, but it's important. We're watching the legal breakdown. So, Glenn, we are right now awaiting Trump's. Trump's on what? Watching the legal breakdown. So, Glenn, we are right now. Watching the legal breakdown. 
So, Glenn, we are right now awaiting Trump's arraignment in the Manhattan DA's case. But over in the classified documents case, the Justice Department is said to have evidence of possible Trump obstruction. So what happened here and how big of a development is this? Yeah, you know, Brian, it feels like the justice snowball is gaining speed, gaining mass, gaining momentum. And just when we take our eye off of the classified documents crime down at Mar-a-Lago to keep an eye on Donald Trump's prosecution in New York, we get a big development. So we already knew that Trump was being looked at for a number of crimes, including obstructing justice by violating a subpoena that had been issued by a grand jury investigating Trump's crimes for the return of all documents. Well, today, the Washington Post has reported that there's new information coming out of Jack Smith's investigation courtesy of unnamed sources. And that new information involves um, the fact that Donald Trump, after that subpoena had been issued for the return of all classified documents, some boxes were then moved from a storage facility at Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump personally went through the boxes, and some of those classified documents ended up being retained unlawfully, which would constitute obstruction of justice, you know, in violation of that Subpoena. So, you know, we've heard about obstruction before, but this puts some meat on the reporting bones because if Donald Trump is personally rummaging through the boxes, you know, putting his paws on the very classified documents that the grand jury had subpoenaed, that by law had to be returned to the federal government, boy, that is some direct evidence of Donald Trump's guilt of obstruction of justice. Glenn, Trump was already contending with uh, a few different possible charges in this case in particular, which include violation of the Espionage Act, unlawful retention of these documents, and obstruction of justice. So obstruction was reportedly already a part of this investigation. So how does this change things? So, you know, moving this Donald Trump obstructed justice, I think, is going to be a real challenge for Jack Smith. Why? He was going to be able to say, look, I don't put my hands on this stuff. Personally, I don't move boxes. I don't go through boxes. I don't look at documents. I, I just had my people go out and search for documents that were, um, that were required to be returned under the terms of the subpoena. They returned what they returned. Maybe they failed to return some, some stuff. So, of course, under the bus, those people would go right. in Trump world. But now... You know, we have some factual reporting that no, 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 no. Donald Trump was personally involved in rummaging through and at least inferentially unlawfully retaining some of these documents. And that makes him guilty of obstructing justice. And it's much harder to point the fingers at others. Now, obviously, I mentioned at the top that we're awaiting uh, Trump's arraignment in the Manhattan DA case. What happens if all of a sudden Jack Smith were to drop a federal indictment on Trump while he's contending with the whole uh, Manhattan DA prosecution? Yeah, another great question. Some more uncharted waters for sure. But let me, let me say a couple of general rules of thumb. First of all, it's not unusual for multiple jurisdictions to be criminally investigating and even criminally prosecuting the same defendant. I mean, there are plenty of folks who are out there as a one-man crime wave going from state to state jurisdiction to jurisdiction committing crimes. I've contended with that multiple times as a prosecutor. The ordinary rule of thumb is whoever charges the person first, that is the case that typically works its way through the system first. And other jurisdictions that might indict that same defendant sort of have to await 
the, the, um, the outcome of the first case, and then they kind of take the cases in order. Here's another rule of thumb. When you have a defendant who's being looked at by a state jurisdiction and by the feds, the feds will often come in and big foot the case. So even if the state is the first one to bring charges, sometimes the feds will come in and, you know, sort of exercise their pseudo-supremacy. It's not really a supremacy clause issue, but their pseudo-supremacy is the, the, the big dog on the block. Yeah. And they will sort of take that case over, and then the state will have to take a backseat. Ordinarily, I will tell you, Brian, the states are generally fine with that, because on the one hand, they want to vindicate violations of their state law. On the other hand, the feds are the one with the deep pockets and the criminal justice resources that many states lack. So often the states are happy to have the feds come in, take over a case, and take the lead on a particular prosecution. So what happens, for example, I know that we've thrown around this idea that the slap on the wrist punishment for Trump in any of these cases is that he's like sentenced to home detention. And so he just gets to continue staying at Mar-a-Lago where he stays anyway. What happens if, for example, he's sentenced to home detention in one of these state cases, in the Manhattan DA's case, and then the feds come in, and uh, that's obviously a more serious indictment, and there's a more serious punishment at the end of this. Um, would he, and he's, in, and he's incarcerated at the end of this, does that then supersede that home detention that he's currently serving out because of the Manhattan case? And again, this is yeah. all, this is all, you know, just gaming this out. This is all theoretical, obviously. We don't know what's going to happen in any of these cases. Absolutely. We're theorizing, but usually incarceration takes precedence. So if somebody is serving a sentence to home detention, I can almost guarantee that if another jurisdiction um, sentences the same defendant to a period of incarceration, that sentence will rule. The home detention sentence will then pause unless the judges in the, the both involved jurisdictions sort of together, obviously, through the prosecutors and through the defense attorneys, and decide to modify the sentence so that it can run concurrently with one another, run at the same time, I could easily see that happening. But ordinarily, incarceration rules and other lesser sentences like home detention would take a backseat. Okay, got it. Well, with that said, for anybody watching, if you want to continue to stay up on this classified documents case, the feds come in, take over a case, and take the lead on a particular prosecution. So what happens, for example, I know that we've thrown around this idea that the slap on the wrist punishment for Trump in any of these cases is that he's like sentenced to home detention. And so he just gets to continue staying at Mar-a-Lago where he stays anyway. What happens if, for example, he's sentenced to home detention in one of these state cases, in the Manhattan DA's case, and then the feds come in and uh, that's obviously a more serious indictment and there's a more serious punishment at the end of this? Um, would he and he's in, and he's incarcerated at the end of this does that then supersede that home detention that he's currently serving out because of the manhattan case and again this yeah. is all this is all you know just gaming this out this is all theoretical obviously we don't know what's going to happen in any of these cases absolutely we're theorizing but usually incarceration takes precedence so if somebody is serving a sentence to home detention i can almost guarantee that if another jurisdiction um sentences the same defendant to a period of incarceration, that sentence will rule. The home detention sentence will then pause unless the judges in the uh, both involved jurisdictions 
sort of get together, obviously through the prosecutors and through the defense attorneys, and decide to modify the sentence so that it can run concurrently with one another, run at the same time. I could easily see that happening. But ordinarily, incarceration rules and other lesser sentences like home detention would take a back seat. Okay, got it. Well, with that said, for anybody watching, if you want to continue to stay up on this classified documents case or the Manhattan DA's case or any of the other cases that Trump is contending with right now, make sure to subscribe to both of our channels. The links are right here on the screen. I'm Brian Tyler Cohen. And I'm Glenn Kirshner. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. hack for senior dogs lacking mobility and energy. No rocket science required. You see, as What is that part about? No, this is something Science. that obviously we believe is a political persecution, and I think people on both sides of the aisle believe that, that it's a complete abuse of power. Um, he's a tough guy, George, as you know. And he's someone who's going to be ready for this fight. Um, we're ready for this fight. And, and I look forward to moving this thing along as quickly as possible to exonerate him. Um, despite what, what it seems to be doing in the polls. What evidence do you have the Democrats see this as political persecution? What? Uh -huh. Sorry, what's that? What evidence do you have that Democrats see this as political persecution? You said people on both sides of the aisle. Oh. See this as yes. political I mean, there's been, I mean, look, there's been, there's not only articles have come out from the New York Times, Financial Times, and whatnot, saying this would be a, a grave miscarriage of justice, a mistake to bring this case. But I've heard Democrats coming out on, on various talk shows and, and, and radio shows and whatnot saying that this is not the case. Not that they're supporting Donald Trump or embracing him, but that's, what I, that's my point all along, George. It shouldn't matter what side of the aisle you sit. Um, if you're an American and you're concerned about rule of law, there should be no scenario where you want this to happen because we all know, and if you're intellectually honest, we all know that had Donald Trump not been Donald Trump and it was John Smith, this case never would have been brought. If he was not running for re-election, there's no way this case would have been brought. This case is not even legally sufficient. Um, factually, it's a joke, and it won't survive a challenge of, of law in a courtroom. You've had the you federal can't. prosecutors look at this case and... Go ahead, George. You can't know that for sure. No one's seen the charges. There are at least 24 charges, according to most reports, perhaps up to 34. Right. You haven't seen the charges. I haven't seen the charges. You don't know right. what's well, behind that right now. Yeah. Oh, I do know it, George. I mean, come on. Yeah, just one question. Would you like some dressing with that word salad? This is Trump's lawyer, Joe Takapina, humiliating himself after George Stephanopoulos asked him the incredibly hard-hitting gotcha question of what are the names of the people that you are talking about? Now, usually lawyers are supposed to be, you know, good at bullshitting, but Joe Takapina uses the brilliant legal strategy of melting into a stuttering puddle on the floor and failing to answer the question. And his claim is actually a major talking point coming from Republicans right now, that there's some mystical group of Democrats who are siding with Trump and thinks it's somehow wrong for Trump to be held accountable for committing crimes. Only, here's the thing, no one can actually find them. Beyond that, it's pretty hard to make the case that these charges against Trump are unfair when we literally haven't even seen the charges. His lawyers haven't even seen the charges. You know who has seen the charges? A grand jury composed of normal, everyday citizens who reviewed all of the evidence and came to the educated conclusion to indict him. So I think it's pretty obvious which side has more merit. Somehow proves that Bragg is... ...money payment issue. And then we learned from the Southern District of New York uh, that they asked us to stand down. And by stand down, I mean they were communicating that they had this ongoing investigation and they wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold um, while they completed their investigation. So there you have it.
And you have it. While they completed their investigation. So, um, while they completed their efforts on hold, uh, complete, we uh, put our wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold um, while they completed wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold um, while they completed wished Uh, a fair wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold. Uh, that was Cy Vance, the former Manhattan DA, who was saying that Bill Barr, Trump's attorney general, told them to stand down about the wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold. Wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold. Uh, that was Cy Vance, the former Manhattan DA, who was saying that Bill Barr canned what is now the Stormy Daniels indictment. Basically, Trump wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold. Uh, that was Cy Vance, the former Manhattan DA, who was saying that Bill Barr canned what is now the Stormy Daniels indictment. Basically, Trump wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold. Uh, that was Cy Vance, the former Manhattan DA, who was saying that Bill Barr canned what is now the Stormy Daniels indictment. Basically, Trump wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold. Uh, that was Cy Vance, the former Manhattan DA, who was saying that Bill Barr canned what is now the Stormy Daniels indictment. Basically, Trump could wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold.
Yeah, let's uh, bring Michael Cohen into this uh, committee on weaponization of the Justice Department. Christopher Prez. Baby, you can drive my car. Yes, I'm gonna be a star. Baby, you can drive my car. Baby, I love you. Yeah, let's bring in the... Let's bring in... Michael Cohen. <laughs> Hashtag politics. Politics call. We like politics. Politics call.
Mm. Right, Michael Cohen testified to Congress about the weaponization of the Justice Department. Politics comedy, radio politics comedy. Yeah. Politics go, politics go. We like politics, politics, politics go. Opinion. Opinion. How many? How many people post about opinion? Netflix is a joke. SNL. Daily Show. I haven't seen anything about the Daily Show for a long time. Arid Stoner. Citizens for Ethics, Arizona Politics, Politics Go, Midas Touch Podcast, Lincoln Project. Ah, AOC. After we lock them all up, 